John chapter 13, I want to go to verse number 1 and read the first 15 verses there. I believe that we have that for you on the screens. But it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands and that he had come from God and was going uh, to God, arose from supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water in a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that he had was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I am doing uh, you do not understand now, but you will after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, it not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs not only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew how who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, then he uh, his gar- took his garment and sat down again, and he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, uh, Well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for you have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say unto you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen? So Jesus did not do miracles as the Son of God. Jesus did miracles as a servant. I'm going to say that again. Jesus never did a miracle as the Son of God while he was here on this earth. All the miracles that Jesus did, he did as a servant. And the thing that we need to see here is this. Jesus takes this opportunity to uh, come to his disciples right before he is going to ascend back to the Father. Right before he is about to leave them, he has spent these three years with them, giving them instruction, training them, discipling them, and then he comes to the end and he gives them this last message. And I believe it's probably the most important message because out of all, I know that if I was going to uh, be leaving, if I was going to be uh, being separated from my disciples, I would uh, think about what is it that I want to leave imparted to them? What message do I want them to remember when I'm gone? 
And it is at this setting that Jesus does not go and talk to them about working miracles. Jesus does not teach them how to be a better preacher. Jesus does not teach them how to do uh, all of these other things. He teaches them how to be a servant, to serve. And he gives them this example as he, Jesus shows his heart here in John chapter 13. He goes and washes his disciples' feet. In these days, most people would walk everywhere that they went. They could, uh, they would take a bath and moments after taking a bath, their feet would become dirty because everywhere they went, they, they didn't have shoes. If they had shoes, they were sandals. And so even though they would bathe and they were clean, it would be moments later that their feet were dirty. We know that it was custom in that day that when a guest would arrive at a person's house, that a servant would meet them at the door, would greet them with water and a basin, and they would wash their guest's feet. And it was the job was reserved for the servant. Here in John chapter 13 and verse 4, Jesus takes off his robe. He says, this isn't about royalty. This is not about my name. This is not about my title. This is not about me being the son of God. This is not about me being the lamb. This is not about me being uh, El Elyon, huh? He says, this isn't a, he takes his robe off and he says, this isn't about my titles and the labels that, that articulate who I am. He said, this is about who I really am. <coughs> and who I really am is not a water walker. Who I really am is not the blind eye opener. The what, all of that is because of who I really am. And all that is produced is produced out of my heart. And my heart, I am a servant. I am a servant. I heal blind eyes because I'm a servant. I walk on water because somebody is in hurting and a need in their life. Amen. I do what I do because I have a servant's heart. And so he takes off his robe and took a towel. The disciples did not understand why a great leader, why one of royalty would lay down his robe and pick up a towel. You know, uh, un unfortunately, in most circles, uh, in business or in church work, uh, whenever you begin to get the higher title, the less work that people think they should do. Amen. Oh, I know I used to open the door. But I'm a holy potentate now. Amen. I know I used to greet people. But I'm an archbishop now. I'm an elder now. I, I don't do that. Other people do that. No, no, no. The higher you go, the more submission that Jesus says we need to have. 
The more humble, you ought to be humbled. Yes, we thank God for gifts. We thank God for those who have studied to show themselves approved. We give honor to those who have titles of doctor and bishop and pastor and elder and, and whatever gifts that they, we honor those gifts. But the miracle happens in the hands of servants. It's not the first time that Jesus showed his disciples this powerful truth. Actually, he has been modeling this all of his ministry. He, he shows them, but they just don't get it. How many know sometimes we, we, he, God shows us, but we just don't get it? Amen. And that's where the disciples were. It wasn't that they were ignorant. It wasn't that that Jesus had not been showing them. It wasn't that this was a new thing. He had been showing them this all of his entire ministry. He was showing them that, that just because that you have a title, you never give up the towel. The towel should always be in your hand. It should be a part of your heart to serve in the kingdom of God, to be a servant wherever you are. Can I tell you that it doesn't just work in the church world, but if you have a servant's heart, you will be in line for a promotion at work? Amen. People that are employing folks, people that are in management, they're not looking for folks that look and see paper laying on the floor and say, that's not my job, that's the custodian. You know, if an you, employer sees you pick up that paper and, they, and you haven't been told to do it, they'll say, there's somebody right there that I can trust to promote to the next level and depend upon them. Amen. And so it is in the kingdom of God. Whenever we have, when we go the extra mile, when we have a heart of a servant that we are willing to serve, not because it's in my job description. Amen. Not because it's in my job description, but because I have a heart to serve in the kingdom of God. Amen. Folks that serve with us around here know that if you want to get on me a quick, fast, and in a hurry, just tell me that's not part of my job. Ah, glory. Holy Ghost gets all over me, or something does. Amen? Because this is our job. This is our job. It's to advance the kingdom of God. This is our job that we all work together to see the presence of God and the power of God come into a place and people's lives change. And so if that is me picking up trash in the parking lot or if that is you taking care of a hurting brother or sister when nobody else is watching, whatever it takes, that's what we are to do so that the kingdom of God and his presence can be in this place and lives can be changed. Amen. So let's go and look at Jesus' first miracle here in John chapter 2, verse number 1. And I'm going to read a few scriptures here this morning. But it says, On the third day there was a wedding in the Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they had run out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what have this concern uh, have to do with me. My hour has not yet come. And uh, some people, whenever they use this term, uh, they think that Jesus was uh, bashing his mother, but he was not bashing his mother in that uh, society. When you was to call someone woman, it was a highly and respected position. 
And so he was honoring her as his mother when he calls her a woman. All right? And so he's not battering her or bashing her. He is just saying to her respectfully, my hour has not yet come. And his mother says to his servants, whatever he says for you to do, do it. Amen? You know, Michael Jordan wasn't the first one, or Nike wasn't the first one to come up with just do it. Amen? It was, it was Mary. She's bad. She's, she's, she's before her time. And she just told him whatever he says to do it. Now watch this. Now Mary wasn't bashing Jesus either. Jesus told Mary that my hour has not yet come. But Mary knows we need a miracle here. So in order for the miracle to take place without Jesus being exposed as who he was at this time, he, he, she says to the disciples, okay, I know he can't do it, but what he tells you to do, you do it. Are you walking with me? So now Jesus is able to stand on the sidelines Nobody knows it's him giving the directions, but the miracle's still getting done. Come on, somebody help me here this morning. Amen. And so, now he says, now there was six, uh, six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now. And take it to the master of the feast. And they had taken it. And the master of the feast had tasted the water that it was made wine. And did not know where it came from. But the feast called the bridegroom and said to them, Every man has uh, beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drank, they, they are when inferior, then he keep the good until now. This being a sign... Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. This is the first miracle they seen and they believed in him. On the third day is referring to the third day of the Jewish week. It is the, the time that is set aside in this story when they are having a celebration. Jewish law states that virgins were to be married on the fourth day of the week. So the story that we are looking at here is taking place uh, before the wedding. There's a lot of symbolism here. We could preach for months on the symbolism of this story. But they are here we refer to the marriage supper of the Lamb, his people and his bride. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the key character in this story. And she is concerned about them running out of wine during the celebration. She, being a lady, knew how girls dreamed all their life about their wedding day. She knew that for years they had been putting all of this together in their minds and how important that this moment was. And now she did not want this damper to be put upon this young girl's dreams by in the middle of this party running out of wine. And so she knew the, how much it meant 
to this little girl. Can I tell you that there may be things in your life that seem insignificant. It may seem like that it's meaningful task to, to us, but, but it's important to us. And that what we care about, God cares about. And so Mary understood the importance of this situation. And she says to Jesus and his disciples, we are about to run out of wine. Wine represents joy. It represents the spirit. It represents provision. So what Mary comes and says to Jesus is, is the joy is about to run out. The spirit's about to be gone. We, are, we don't have enough provision to do what we need to do. And so he, she goes looking for a servant. Amen. I want to tell you that if there's not enough servants in the house, there'll not be enough joy to go around. If there's not enough servants in the house, the provision will run out. And we will not see the fullness of the celebration that God has fully intended for us to have. Amen. And so we see here that they're in need of a miracle. Mary comes to Jesus and it is a picture of intercession. When Mary says to him, they have no wine, it is not a statement. It is a request. She is not telling them him something that he does not know. She is asking him to do something about the situation. And so it is in, not in a form of a statement, but in a form of a request is, will you serve in this capacity? Will you do something about this city? I know you can do it. The question is, will you do it? I believe the Lord knows the same thing about us. He knows we can. The question is, will we? She had a promise. She, she knew that he, what his ability was. She was his, his mother. She knew that he was Emmanuel, God with us. She knew that miracle working power, that the life of God was inside of him. She knew and she had this, this knowing that, that he was the, the lamb. He was the Messiah. He was all powerful. She knew and had this promise, but not uh, at this time should it be revealed. And Mary went to see, wanted to see the manifestation of Jesus. So she goes and intercedes on the behalf of this young girl. She begins to seek. That's part of what we're doing. We are praying for people that may not even be concerned about their own lives. Amen. They may never say, God, help me to get out of this addiction. Help me to get out of this bondage. They may not even be crying out or seeking help on their behalf for their life to be changed. But in part of this initiative in which we are doing, we are interceding for somebody on their behalf. That's what Mary was doing. She was interceding on this young girl's behalf that was needing a miracle. She didn't know that she had the son of God at her wedding. She didn't know that miracle working power was happening behind the scenes. But Mary knew it. 
And yeah, I'm telling you here today, you, you, there's people all around you. There's people in your life. There's people in your workplace. They don't understand the connection that you have. They don't understand the ability that you have, that you can intercede on behalf for them and their life can be changed. They don't know that you have the ability to call upon all of heaven and angelic force of angels will come to their rescue and will deliver them from their bondage and their habits and their addiction and their sinful nature. But we know it because we know the power of intercession. And when we begin to pray and call on the name of Jesus, praise God, angelic hosts go and bring conviction to their heart and they begin to cry out. And when they cry out, God is able and faithful to forgive them of their sin and change their life forever. Amen. If you believe it, give him a praise in this place this morning. Mary's intercession pushed Jesus into something he didn't feel he was ready for yet. He knew at some point he would work miracles. He knew at some point he would heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captive free. He knew that he had the power within him to do a thing. But his time was not yet. He knew it was inside of him, but he wasn't ready yet. Has God ever let you know that you have the ability to do a thing, but you're not ready yet? Has God ever put something in your heart that, that, that you knew that you had the ability to do, to serve in a capacity, to, to advance the kingdom, to bless the people of God? Amen. But you weren't ready yet. I, I just don't feel like I'm qualified yet. I don't feel like I have enough training yet. Somebody else is better at it. We, I, and so I, even though I like to do it, I, I think somebody else could do it better. So I, I just won't do it yet. Amen. And we, we, we never think that we are quite ready yet to step out and do a thing. But listen to me, when God gives you a gift, he always requires you to use the gift before you think you're ready to use it. Two reasons, because number one, if you waited till you thought you were ready, then you would be working in your own ability and your a talent or what you think that you're able to accomplish. But when you do it before you think you're ready, it requires faith. Amen. It requires you to step out and you, you have these butterflies. You, you're just not, you're not so sure. So as out of, out of that insecurity, you call on God. You ask God to help you. You pray more. You seek God. You, you get direction from him and you depend upon his Holy Spirit to help you to do what you think you're not ready for yet. Amen. You have to depend upon the Holy Spirit's help. Jesus taught his disciples, starting with the first miracle, how to do miracles. 
Jesus said, fellas, miracles don't happen in the hands of the Son of God. Miracles happen in the hands of servants. Miracles took place by the servants' obedience. A lot of people are wanting to see, and I thank God for gifts, huh? I said, I thank God for gifts. Uh, if anything else, I've taught you to honor the gifts that God has placed in the kingdom of God. Amen. We don't, we don't worship men, but we honor the gift. But listen to me, I, as much as I honor the gift, I want to tell you people are running around, they're looking for a, they're looking for a faith healer. They're looking for this and they're looking for that. They're looking for a miracle. I want to tell you today, if you want a miracle, don't run after a name. Don't run after a title. Look for a servant. Look for a servant. Because if you can find a genuine servant, there's a miracle in their hands. Amen. You see, whenever all they did was an act of obedience... And, you know, sometimes I believe in fasting. I, I try to live it as a lifestyle of fasting. I, I live a lifestyle of prayer. It's not just something I do every once in a while, but that's who I am. But I want to tell you today that it isn't just about when we need a miracle. Sometimes we think, well, we've just got to do this and we've got to do that. But I want to tell you a day-to-day -day basis of being having a heart of a servant will cause you at a moment's time to be able to call on the name of Jesus and see a miracle take place in your life or through your life. There's been times in my life whenever I've been called upon for an assignment or a task that I didn't feel like that I was prepared or ready for and wished I had just a little more time to call on God or get some kind of direction only to go there, a man calling on the God and saying, God, you've got to help me and seeing God do supernatural things even in times when it seemed that I was at my weakest or lowest. Why was that? God was teaching me humility that it wasn't about me at all but it was about an act of obedience and having a servant's heart and when you have a servant's heart and you will say yes God whatever it is yes to your will yes to your way yes to your wants and your desires that God will allow miracles to take place through your hands amen his mother says to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. Most of the people at this party did not even recognize or know that a miracle was taking place. The only ones that knew that this miracle was in process was Mary, Jesus, and his disciples. Jesus says, stays in the background while the miracle is taking place and uses his servant's hands to perform a miracle. Jesus could do miracles without us, but he chose and still choosing not to. In fact, most cases he will not do a miracle without participation. Amen. When you look at all the miracles that Jesus did in his ministry, he always required participation for the miracle to take place. The blind man had to go wash in the pool. The, the man with the paralyzed hand had to stretch forth his hand. The crippled man had to get up and walk. Huh? 
And so when miracles take place, it is because of people's obedience and because that they will step out and do what Jesus tells them to do. We're going to be obedient to this. Now watch this. In verse 6, it tells us they took six water pots. Six is the number of man. It is what man can do. Man can fill water pots with water. Huh? So they did what they were able to do. What humanity can do. But it's also six is the number of disciples that Jesus had at that time. So there was one pot for every disciple. They all had to participate in taking and doing what they were able to do. Six water pots were about to be filled with water, but something had to take place or change on the inside of them. When God gets ready to use us, we do what we are able to do. We fill water pots because that's what we're able to do. We park cars because that's what we're able to do. We open doors because that's what we're able to do. We serve and sing on the praise team because that's what we're able to do. We care for children and tell them the gospel message on their level because that's what we're able to do. But in down when we begin to fill the water pots, something changes on the inside. We are doing the natural, but while we're doing the natural and being obedient in it, suddenly when we open the door, we're, we open the door, but there is a love of God that is transferred into the heart and the life of that individual. We sing the song, but the anointing shifts it until it sings a, a sweet melody in the heart of heaven, but also in the ear of the believer. I want to tell you today that whenever we begin to do what we can do, there's a shift, there's a change that goes on on the inside, and it's a transfer that only the anointing can bring. But if we're willing to fill the water pot, God's will to let us see a miracle in our lives. We have to obey. The disciples obeyed. They were told to take the water. They put in the water pots to the master of the feast. I think I've told you this before. But I don't know how you do whenever you read, but I put myself in the story and I'm thinking that's a mess right there. I'm thinking, all right, Jesus, we've done everything you've told us to do up till now. Why don't you take this water into the master? Because I know what's in that pot. I put it in that pot. Huh? I don't have any saved people here this morning. Come on, it's all right to be real. Huh? I just put that water in that pot. I know what's in there. And you're wanting me to take this to the master of the feast? Amen? The servant had to be willing to take a risk. I told you before, and I'll tell you over and over, and I know it's not a religious statement, and probably religious people get upset with me, but, but I spell faith R-I-S-K. Risk. 
because it is a risk. If it wasn't a risk, then there would be no, no uh, space for failure. But the fact that I am in a faith walk means that it is not happened yet, but I believe it's going to happen. And so now these servants are willing to take a risk. And when they take those water pots, they fill them full of water. But at, he said, but at your word or your command of Jesus, they just obeyed. And when they obeyed what Jesus told them to do, they got to be a part of a miracle. <laughs> How many of you would like to see a bona fide miracle? I'm not talking about slick willy telling you to sit down there and saying, oh, one leg shorter than the other and you ain't had no problems all your life. Nobody going to be real today. I'm not talking about somebody that's got you there and they put you in a position and say, well, look at there, one leg shorter than the other. and You ain't had no problems all your life. You've been walking fine, especially on these hills. Amen. And then they get to pulling around on you and say, looky there, glory to God, they got healed. And no, they didn't. You just, you just pulled something on somebody. I'm talking about a bona fide miracle. I'm talking about people that can't see, see. I'm talking about people that are lost and people that have been given up on and they come in and the Holy Spirit convicts their heart and melts their stony heart and they go leaving, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about bona fide miracles, amen, to where you know that God has done a thing. I want to tell you today this, that when we are willing to obey, then we get to be a part of a miracle. When we are, we may feel foolish, but how? foolish would you feel and understanding that hey God is wanting me to show the love of Jesus today parking a car he wants me to show the love of Jesus today opening a door it can be that simple why because when you are parking that car you're tearing down years sometimes of stony thoughts and hurts and bondages that people have uh, developed in the church world but when you show up with a smile on your face you break down that wall when you greet them with a, a holy smile, you break down that wall. When they hear the worship of heaven going up before you, it breaks down those walls so that when the gospel message is preached, their life, so you are a part of it in the parking lot. You're a part of it in the front door. You're a part of it taking care of the children. And we rejoice in that miracle because God does a miracle in their lives. Amen. What's more foolish, parking a car? Or filling a water pot. Amen. And I could add to that filling a water pot and then taking it to the master of the feast for wine. Amen. If their obedience of filling water pots can produce a miracle, what can your obedience do with a smile? What can your obedience do with a song? What can your obedience do showing some child the love of Jesus Christ? Miracles happen in the hands of servants. We're looking for a big name preacher. We're looking for a prophet to perform a miracle. But Jesus is looking for an obedient servant. And if he can find an obedient servant to follow just simple directions, he will show you a miracle in your life today. 
I want to give you one more. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. Matthew 14 and 13. Jesus feeds the 5,000. He says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to the desert place by himself. When the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came saying, this is a desert place, (laughs) like Jesus didn't know. And the hour is already late. Jesus, send the multitude away that they may go into the village and buy themselves some food. And Jesus said to them, I've got a better idea. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Amen? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, bring them to me. And then he commanded the multitude to sit down in the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and he blessed, he broke and gave loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave the multi- to the multitude so that all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained And now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus just had a long day of healing ministry, healing all that were sick. It's getting late. His disciples are hungry. And his disciples tell Jesus, we need to send these people over to Taco Bell and let them buy something to eat. Because Taco Bell's cheap. It doesn't taste good, but it's cheap. Grade four meat, but edible. <laughs> Jesus just got a long day in. He's tired. He's healed all these sick people. And they say, Jesus... You need to send these people away. Let them go get something to eat in the village. And Jesus said, I've got a better idea. Jesus said, I'm going to let you be a part of a miracle today. He's healed all of their sick. And now he says, he tells his disciples, I want you, you, not me. I want you. To give them something to eat. Jesus said, this isn't going to be about me. This is going to be about you. And he tells, Jesus tells them, he says, they tell him why they can't do this. And he says, we only have five loaves, two fish. And Jesus doesn't even have a Maalox moment. He doesn't even talk about the lack of. He just says, bring it to me. Right? 
And they tell Jesus why they can't do it. We just got five loaves, two fish. And when God asks us to do something, we're pros at telling him why we can't. We want to tell God all of our lack. We want to tell God about how busy we are, how much time we don't have, what we cannot do. And he's not asking us about all of that. He's telling us, bring me what you have. It may be in limited form, but if you'll bring me what you've got. If you'll just let me use what you have, then I'm going to allow you to participate in a miracle. And Jesus tells them, just bring me your limitation. And I believe this morning that Jesus is saying to us that would want to make excuses why we can't. He's just saying to us, bring me your limitation. Bring me your limited time. Bring me your limited talent. Bring me your limited treasure. And if you'll bring it to me and give it to me, then what did he say he did? He took it. He'll take the limited time that you have. He'll take the limited treasure and talent that you have. And when he takes it, he blesses it. And whenever he takes it, he takes it for a moment and he blesses it. And when he blesses it, he breaks it. And there's something that happens in the brokenness. There is something that happens when we give ourselves, our time, our talent, our treasure to God. And he takes it, he blesses it, but it's in the brokenness that God begins to multiply what we thought was insufficient, inadequate. Suddenly it becomes more than enough for the need. And he gave it back to his disciples. You see, when God asks you for something, he doesn't take it to keep it. He takes it to bless it, to break it, and to give it back to you. If you need more time, give God the time you have. Let him take it, let him bless it, and let him break it. If your talent needs to be enlarged, then give it to God. Let him take it, let him bless it, and let him break it. If you need whatever you have need of today, if you'll put it in his hands, he will take it, he will break it, and he will multiply it and give it back to you. What you give to God, you can be rested assured, he will not give you back less. If you gave you, if he gave you a little, you gave him a little time if you'll give him that little time that you have your time will multiply if you have a little talent but you give it to him when he gives it back to you it'll be increased he's not a taker he's a giver amen and so whenever we give to God when we give to his kingdom we don't have to act like that we're dealing with Mr. Haney Wondering if we're going to get the short end of the stick or not. I promise you, when you give it to God, when it comes back into your hand, it'll be greater than when you released it. Amen. He gave it to his disciples and he told them to go feed the thousands. Can you imagine the foolishness of this moment? Joshua, the Bible doesn't say that when he took it, he blessed it and he broke it and then they had thousands of baskets that they went around feeding folks with. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it and they still just had five loaves and two fish. 
It was just broken now. So that his disciples could take a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread and hand it out. Ain't nobody walking with me today. I think I come to the wrong church. Is this the Presbyterian frozen chosen or? <laughs> Amen. You see the miracle taking place here right before their eyes. They didn't have much, but they gave it to him. And in giving it to him, it increases. It wasn't an increase instantaneously, but as they went and they fed one. Huh? They said, take you some bread, Ryan, and take you some fish. And they did. And they went on. And they took it to the next one. And 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 they continued to feed. And they continued to feed. And they continued to feed. Five loaves and two fishes. Over 10,000 people and their children were there that day. And the bread never ran out. The fish never ran out. They didn't look like Ethiopians when they left. They left full. Whenever we see this spirit of God grows in our hearts and grows in our spirits, we begin to rise up and we see that God is doing a work. He works through us. He uses us. And I want to tell you that God has a great work in the earth today. He is wanting to manifest his glory and his power in this last day. But he's looking for servants. He's looking for people that he can put it in their hands and say, God, I'll be used of you. I'll take the little I've got a little talent I've got a little time I've got a little treasure I'll give it to you and when we do he blesses it and it increases somehow I just believe that that night when they were sitting around by the fire they were not conversing about the miracles of all of the thousands of people that had been healed that day I believe they were talking about the miracle they seen happen in their own hands when they said I couldn't believe it when I fed that first person I thought maybe we could feed two or three but I fed the first one and there was still enough I fed the second one the third one the tenth one I fed a hundred I fed a thousand I fed I fed I fed I fed two thousand people there was still enough food left I don't know just spoke the miracle but the servants performed the miracle if you're willing to give what you have to be used by God then there are people in this room today that are going to be amazed over the next eight weeks of how God will use you to do a miracle Chris Hodge is a pastor of church of multiplied thousands of people made a statement and I believe it's one of his books but he says we are most like Jesus when we are serving
think that's powerful today. We may think we're most like Jesus when we're preaching. When we're doing this, that, or the other. But Jesus said to his disciples, there's something important, guys. I'm getting ready to leave, and I need you to know, don't ever forget to learn how to be a servant. He said, I need you to know that you will never get to a place where that you will be able to be released from the towel. I'm the son of God. Uh, They knew this now. They knew who he was now. I'm the son of God. I'm the lamb. I'm all of this. And he said, but I'm a servant at heart. It's important that we know how to serve. Why do we have places to serve here in this church? Number one, it's because it gives us an outlet to use the gift that God has given us. Whenever I pray for people to come to this church, I don't just pray for people to come uh, for the needs that we have. I pray for people that have a need to use their gift that they have. So that they can be overjoyed and they can experience miracles in their life. We do it to develop relationships because whenever you serve, you develop relationships with the ones you serve with. And whenever we use the gift and we develop relationships, we grow with one another, but we also grow with God. This third thing that it does is whenever we serve, we help somebody else. It's not, it takes away this self-centeredness that this society has developed around us and this culture where it's all about me, 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 take, take, take. And it develops in us to care for one another, to be concerned about others before we're concerned about ourselves. Fourth thing is the reason that we serve in this house is because when we serve, we really are like Jesus. And the fourth reason that we serve is we serve because we want to participate in miracles and people need miracles. In the foyer today, you can sign up if you're not already. If you are, you can re-enlist. But I encourage you today, if you want to see a miracle in these, and we're just asking you for eight Sundays. We're asking you for eight Sundays. In this time of harvest, we're believing God for a harvest. We're believing God in these eight weeks that we will see 100 people come into the kingdom. One hundred people come into the kingdom. That's not many, but that's a good start. Amen. How do you get one hundred people saved in eight weeks? It's easy. Number one, be a servant. If you'll be a servant, you'll be amazed where people will give their heart to the Lord at. You can just bring them to the house of God. Number two, it's real simple. That's to invite people. People, there's only one word between a growing church and a dying church. And that's the word invite. If there's no invitations that are given, the church is dying. 
But I promise you, if there's people inviting folks to the church, that church will be growing. Why? Because people are looking for hope today. They're looking for hope. And that's what we're going to give them. We're going to give them the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. This year, we're going to be, as you know, I'll take just a moment, and then I'll let you go. But as you know, we're sending out over 200 books every month into this region. Hope Rising. They've gone down Crandall Drive. They've gone down through uh, the heart of Hurricane or Culloden here. They're going up 34 this week. They'll be delivered in 34 this week. Uh, People are receiving them. People are telling us what a blessing it has been in their lives, and their lives are being changed. Amen? And so we're believing God, and we're going to be doing uh, several things uh, in the next couple of weeks, promoting that and pushing and inviting folks. We're going to help you invite folks. All right? But there's many things that we can do. But if we will give it to God and we'll cover this in prayer, I promise you there's a harvest that is yet to be won. Amen. Eight, eight Sundays is not very long for you to participate in something that will change lives forever. And I know you may not think that you're ready yet. But if you'll give it to God, he will increase what you have. Amen. People all the time, the the thing that people say the most is, well, I'm busy, I'm busy. Who isn't? All of us have 24 hours in a day. All of us have seven days a week. We have to choose what's of importance, what has eternal value. Amen. Amen. There's projects that we can do, and you'll see all of the signage there out in the atrium. You that are participating here for some years now, you know how this works. But we need your help to be a part of the kingdom. But if you don't want to help, we'll get it done anyhow. Amen. It's just, do you want to be a part of the miracle? I don't say that arrogantly. I don't say that uh, because God has put a mandate upon us, and we will accomplish it. But it will be done better and it will be done with more joy if you're a part. But if you choose not to be a part, the kingdom of God will continue to go forward. Amen. There's things that we can do. We can reach out. We can do things. There's projects that will just take two or three hours. We're going to be putting labels on some books. If you just have a couple hours to commit, you can see the first lady, Renee, after service. And we can show you and get you in here next week and put things on books so that we can get those out. There's many things. As you've seen on the announcements, next Saturday we'll be working here at the church and getting everything ready for our a celebration that is coming. And so all of these things, there's things everywhere where you can be a part of being a miracle. Amen? Praise God. Melissa, just come for a moment.